Psalm 92, the psalmist wrote, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery and upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph through the work of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. The brutish man knoweth not, neither do the fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, O Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes also shall see my desire on mine enemies. And mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. It's the book. It's the Bible, eh? To show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. You know, gratitude is something we learn. It's something we teach. It's something parents teach their children. I'll never forget when um, my wife and I had um, a family out to dinner uh, years ago. And uh, had a great time with them. And the next day, a knock came to our door, and it was the lady, the, the mom of the house, with her two little children. And they came and they knocked at our door, and, uh, and they had a little thank you. And they gave it to us, and, and they expressed some, some thank yous to us for the previous evening. And, and as, they, as they left, I, I, I thought, there's a wise mom. She is teaching her children to be grateful. She is parenting. She is training. She is teaching. And her children are growing up learning the value of gratitude. Learning to be thankful to others for the things that they have contributed to our lives. Gratitude is not a part of our natural human nature because our natural human nature is rooted in pride and selfishness. And gratitude is the, the opposite of that. It's, it's the recognition that I am a blessed person because of other people and because of what they've contributed to my life. And so that's a lesson that isn't natural, uh, but is teachable. And uh, I was always impressed by that family who was actively teaching their children the importance of gratitude. 
uh, and uh, making sure the children learned that lesson. Well, when you came in today, you found a little sermon handout uh, in some of the seats scattered around the auditorium. If you didn't pick up one of those, uh, the ushers have some behind you. If you could raise your hand, let them know you don't have one. You didn't pick one up off one of the chairs uh, around you. There's not one within arm's reach. And they will make sure that you uh, get one of the little handouts for today's study as we look at Psalm 92. Psalm 92 is all about being grateful. It's all about being thankful to God. And uh, the, the, little, the psalm has a title to it. If you look above verse 1, you see in real small print, likely in your Bible, it'll say a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. My understanding is that this was a psalm that the people of Israel would sing every Sabbath day. Now, Sabbath is the the, uh, last day of the week, the seventh day of the week. It's Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath day. It always has been, always will be. Saturday is the Sabbath day. It was the day of rest, and it was the day that the Jewish people would get together, and they would honor their God, and they would uh, teach the things of God. We don't... uh, do that on Saturday because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week and the Christians in the New Testament era gathered on the first day of the week to start a brand new week celebrating a risen Savior. He rose from the grave on Sunday morning. And uh, that's the Lord's Day. That's the day that we worship Jesus Christ as our risen Savior. The Jewish people, though, they would gather every week on their Sabbath day and they would sing this song. And it was a teaching song that taught them how to be grateful, taught them how to be thankful to God. And the psalm begins by saying it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And you know, it is a good thing to be a thankful person. It's good to give thanks to God. It's also good to just be thankful as a way of life. To be a person who sees the value that others bring into my life. And to be thankful for their contributions to my life. You know, it's a good thing to be thankful. It's a good thing in a lot of ways to be thankful. It's it's good for your digestive system to be thankful. Did you know that? Uh, Ingrates don't digest their food as well as grateful people digest their food. So, the by... The students of biology tell us the 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 ingratitude, the unthankfulness, the bitterness of all of that impacts our physiology. You know, it's good for your digestion to be thankful every day. Just be grateful to God and others for what they've contributed to your life. It's good. You know, it's good. It's it's good for your family. You know, a a, a, a dad who is grateful by nature. He's developed that new nature of Christ in him, and and he has overcome the old nature of the flesh and developed the new nature of Christ and has become a thankful person. It's, It's good for the family to have dad as a thankful person that goes through the day seeing the good in everything, being grateful for the good in life. being expressing that gratitude to his wife and to his kids and to his neighbors. You know, a home is happier when there's a dad who is thankful and a mom who is thankful than a home 
that it's a dad and a mom that's ungrateful and always complaining and always seeing the bad in everything and, and, and people just don't do what they ought to do and they don't give me what they ought to give me and just ungrateful, in, uh, unthankful. And, and it's, just, it's just, it's not good for the family. It's good for the family to be thankful. You know, it's good at work to be thankful. It's good in your work relationships to be a grateful person. To be a person that's learned how to thank people for what they've contributed to your life. And, and to be thankful for the opportunity to have a job. Instead of complaining about what you don't like about your job or complaining about what the boss doesn't do right. You know, it's good in your work environment if you develop a thankful heart, a thankful spirit. If you see the value and just grateful you got a job. Grateful you had the opportunity to work. It's good. In your work environment, to be a thankful person. You know, it's good in your friendships and relationships with others. It's good to be a thankful person, to see good in people, and to be appreciative of people. Old Dr. Bob Jones Sr., way, 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 way back. Dr. Bob Jones Sr., I heard him tell the story of a friend that he had. And and this particular individual... Went through some terrible tragedy in life. His wife died. He was a godly man. He had a godly wife. And his wife died. And, and he went into a time of real despair. And every day he was lonely. Every day he missed his wife. And, and it began to grate on him. And he began to be ungrateful and unthankful. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. talked about how uh, that every time he was around his friends and people, he was always talking about how hard it is without his wife and how bad it is without his wife. And and how much he missed his wife. And he was hurting. And he was expressing an unthankful and an ungrateful heart. And, and, and soon his friends stopped hanging around him. They, they didn't want to be around him. Because they knew that the whole time they were going to be around him, all they were going to hear is negative and despair. And it's bad and it's terrible and everything's wrong. And, and he began to lose his friends. Because he was an ungrateful person, an unthankful person. He talked to Dr. Bob Jones Sr. And Dr. Bob Jones Sr., according to the story that he told, shared with the man what was happening. People don't like you. People don't want to be around you. You're ungrateful. You're unthankful. You're always complaining. You're always talking about how bad things are in your life. And the man took that to heart. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said the man took that to heart and he began to meditate and think upon God. And he began to talk, and when he was around people, he would talk about what a blessing it was to have had his wife all those years. What a blessing she was to him. He had had X number of years of married life, and she was such a godly woman. And he was so blessed of God that God gave him a good wife. A lot of guys don't have good wives. He had a good wife. He began to thank God and tell people how grateful he was for all the good things he had in life. And for what a blessing it was to, to have been married and for all those years. And all of a sudden, his friends wanted to be around him again. And, and people started spending time with him. He, was, he had become a thankful person. He had become a grateful You know what's good? It's good in your friendships to be a thankful person, to be a grateful person, to always be recognizing the goodness of God in your life and thanking God for the good things in your life. Instead of complaining about the bad things in your life. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It's good for your indigestion. 
It's good at your workplace. It's good in your family. It's good with your friends. It's good everywhere in life to develop the heart of gratitude and thankfulness. The people of Israel understood that. And so they sang this song every Saturday. It was a routine. They sang this song because it teaches the importance of gratitude and gratefulness in your life. Thankfulness in your life. And so they would sing this amazing song. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. I want you to see just for a few moments three aspects of gratefulness that this psalm bears out as this psalm taught people the importance of being Thankful people. I want you to see the first aspect of this psalm is the goodness of your praise. The goodness of your praise. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings, upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound for Thou, Lord, hast made me glad. You know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to thank God. It's a good thing to verbalize that, to say to God, thank you, God. It's a good thing to give God thanks for the good things in my life. You know, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Henry just sang a song that, that talked about all the things we have to be thankful for. My goodness gracious, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. Count your blessings, name them one by one, write them down, talk to God about them. God, you have been so good to me. It is good to praise God, to sing to God. You know, it's a good thing to sing to God. That's what hymns are. Hymns are about Him. Gospel songs are about the gospel that saved us. It's about us. It's about the deliverance from our sin. It's about... But the salvation experience, the gospel's impact on our lives, but hymns are about Him. We sing praises to Him. We sing to God. We lift up our voices and we say, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. We're not singing to one another. We're, talking, we're singing to Him. Sometimes we sing to one another. The Bible talks about songs whereby we teach one another doctrine. The Bible talks about that in the New Testament. Then there are other songs we sing that God is our audience. We're singing directly to an audience of one or, or three in one. And we're singing to God. They're about Him. You know, it's a good thing to sing to God. When we sing to God, we're focusing on God. What are we focusing on? We're focusing on His person. To sing praises unto Thy name. We're singing about the name of God. That's why we put a different name of God every week in, our, in all of our six prayer sheets that are circulated throughout the entire church family to encourage all of us to meditate on the name of God. And, and it's a different name every week, a different name of God. When we focus on God, we're focusing on His person, His name, who He is. But we're also... Focusing on His attributes. We, we give thanks unto the Lord. We sing praises to Thy name to show forth Thy loving kindness and Thy faithfulness. We're focusing on His attributes. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's sad to see the, 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 the world uh, replace holy days with holidays. Holidays. 
and lose the focus of a holy day of Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving, it's Turkey Day. The secular society has changed holy days to holidays. We change our focus from God to entertainment. It's football day, it's turkey day, it's, it's entertainment day. It's a day off work so that we can... And, and, and we make a holiday out of what was a holy day. A holy day is a day of giving thanks to God. And so when we, when we, when we express our gratitude to God, we're expressing our gratitude to the person of God and to the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, what he's like as a person. What a great opportunity that Thanksgiving provides for us to focus on all of the blessings of God. I read many years ago that a fourth grader in school uh, was uh, giving an oral report on the Thanksgiving holiday. But, of course, the Thanksgiving holiday had become politically correct in the particular environment that they were in. And so there were certain things she couldn't include in her report. So here's how she gave her report on the Thanksgiving holiday. She said before her fourth grade class, she said the pilgrims came here seeking freedom from you know what? When they landed, they gave thanks to you know who? And because of them, we can worship each Sunday at... Well, you know where. You know, it's good to thank God, to praise God, to honor God, both in his person and in his attributes, what he's like. We need to learn those attributes. That's why two attributes of God are always on our prayer sheets every week. What I'm, why did I write those prayer sheets the way I wrote them years ago? Because of my responsibility to teach you how to pray. And a big part of your prayer is to learn how to praise God, His name and His attributes. And so it's something I started many years ago as a practical thing to teach you. Because I'm responsible to God. We'll give an account to God one day for whether I taught you to pray. And how to pray. And what prayer is about. And so every week we have a, we have a name for God. We have two attributes of God. And every week, without fail, when I stand before you on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, I, I make reference to the fact that I'm asking you this week, our church family this week, to meditate and to praise God for the name and for the attributes and to meditate and focus on our God. It's good to praise God. It's good to focus on the person of God. It's good to focus on the attributes of God. And, and this work, this ministry of praising God is something that, that's a part of our daily life. You'll see in verse number two, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and, and thy faithfulness every night. Did, did you notice that? The morning prayers and the evening prayers. You know, morning prayers are different from evening prayers. You wake up in the morning, you've got the day in front of you. You need God. You need His loving kindness in the morning as you face a new day. And as you talk to Him about what's going to happen in your life today. And how you need Him and His loving kindness to go with you every morning. His mercies are fresh and new, we're told in the book of Lamentations. And every morning we need and talk to God about His loving kindness. Evening prayers are very different. 
In the evening, you come to the end of the day and you look back over your shoulder to the day that you've just lived. You're not looking forward to the day you're going to live. You're looking backwards to the day you just lived. And you know what you found out? You found out God had been faithful to you that day. And you talk to God about his faithfulness every night. And how God had been faithful in taking care of this that came up in your day. How God took care of that that came up in your day. And in the evening, you're talking to God and focusing on what God has done. In the morning, you think about and focus on your need for God to go with you as you face the day. This was a weekly Sabbath song to remind them to every day sing to God in the morning about His loving kindness and in the evening about His faithfulness. Do we do that today? Do you do that today? Do you, have you learned how to be a grateful person? Have you learned that it's good to give thanks to God and to sing praise to God? This morning, uh, we enjoyed a lot of strings. Verse number 3 tells us upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery and upon the harp, we had a whole bunch of strings going on this morning. We had violins. Uh, we had a guitar. We had a harp. Uh, what else did we have? Do we have two violins, a harp? What am I missing? A cello. And a cello. We, we, we had a bunch of strings going on this morning. You know, every Sabbath day, the people of Israel, every Sabbath day, they sang this song to teach and to remind the dads and the moms and the families to praise God. It's good. It's good for you. It's good for you physically. It's good for your family. It's good for your work associates. It's good for every environment you have in life. It's good to learn how to be grateful. To be grateful in the expression of your thanks and in the singing of your thanks, accompanied with beautiful musical instruments. And I want you to notice one other thing about verse number four, verse number three. He speaks about this as a solemn sound. A solemn sound. That's an interesting statement. A solemn, a sound of solemnity. What is a solemn sound? A solemn sound is a meditative sound. It's a sound that leads one to think. Some, some things we sing, we just sing as a burst of emotion. Sometimes we sing something that is very solemn, that we meditate on. We, we get absorbed with every word. Tonight we're going to sing a song like that. When we transition from our testimony time, our Thanksgiving testimony time, to the observance of the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing this song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And we're going to slow down and we're going to survey the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to think, we're going to think deeply as we sing that song. We're going to hang on every word and every phrase. It's going to be a solemn sound that will encourage meditation and deep thought. Thought about what? About the name of God? And the attributes of God, about His loving kindness, about His faithfulness, about what He did on Calvary to rescue me from my sin. The psalmist, the song this psalmist wrote 
an everyday song sung by the people of God to teach them and to teach their children the value of a thankful heart, a grateful spirit, learning how to be thankful. And so the psalmist began in the first three verses by talking about the goodness of our praise. But then there's another aspect, and that is the reason for your praise. Well, why? Why do we praise God? What's, what's it all about? Well, verse number four begins with the word for, for this reason. He's going to now give us a reason why it's good to thank God. For this reason, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad. I want you to notice the impact of emotions in this thing. Because of what God has done in my life, He has impacted my emotions. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm happy, I'm, I'm filled with a sense of, of respect and awe and gratitude toward God. I'm emotionally drawn in to what God has done. It is, uh, for now, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work, what God has done in my life, what God has been involved in. I will triumph, he said. Not the action of winning a war. It's a triumphant shout. Thou hast made me glad. I'm going I'm to shout triumphantly in the works of thy hands. God, you've been real to me. God, you saved my soul. God, you've, you've been involved in my life. You've, you've given me so many blessings. I can hardly count all the blessings. I, I am just filled with gratitude, emotionally drawn in. The reason for our praise is that we become emotionally involved because of the solemn sound, the meditative thought of God, His name, His character, His works that He has accomplished. And as I, as I meditate on all of that, I become glad. And there is a strong emotion that wells up within me. He has filled me with gladness and I shout the shout of triumph. Because of God's work in my life. Oh, the Psalms are so full of this. The Psalms are filled with expressions of loud, excited, emotional singing. As well as soft and quiet and reflective singing. It's good to learn how to be grateful. And the reason we do become grateful is because we are emotionally impacted by the action of God in our lives. The work that He does in our lives. Let me give you a final, third and final aspect of the value of being a grateful person. Learning how to be grateful. It begins in verse number 5. And it goes through the end of the psalm. And I see in these verses the cause of our praise as God's work. That's what elicited the emotion of gladness and the triumphant shout. And then he begins to dissect that. Where are the works of God? What has God done that ought to make me shout with triumph because of the gladness of my heart? What are the works of God? Well, we can go through and and we can pick out different things in these verses. I want you to pick out, you see, three Uh, Three little bullet points there. What is the work of God that causes such strong emotion? I see in verse number 5 the word great. How great are thy works. 
It's, it, it's, there's, there's something big and great and mighty in the work of God. In verse number 5 also uses the word deep. How great are thy works, thy thoughts are very deep. Your thoughts are very deep. This is not for frivolous people. This is not for people absorbed by amusement. The word amuse, you know what the word amuse means? Amuse, amuse means to think. To muse means to think. The prefix a is the negative prefix. Amuse is the rejection of thinking or the, the uh, not thinking. So amusement is what we do in life, and we all need amusement. Amusement is good. It's valuable in its place. We all need a time where we don't think. We all need a time to, met, to, to chill out. We all need a time to just be amused. We don't need a life of amusement, but we need some time of amusement. Deep works of God are not given to people absorbed in amusement. Because deep works of God require thought, meditation, examination. And so the works of God are huge, they're great, they're very deep, and they're mysterious. Verse number 6 says, A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand. There are those who don't understand. They're mysterious to many in the world. The works of God go right over the head of a lot of people. A brutish person, a brutish person, they don't know this, these works of God. A brutish person. The word brutish, if you studied the word brutish, it means someone who's stupid. That's what the word brutish means, a stupid person. A person without reason. A person without the ability to think deeply. He just said that God's works are, God's thoughts are very deep. And he followed it up with saying a shallow person, a person with no reason, a person without the ability to think deeply, just doesn't get it. They don't understand the works of God that elicit from my heart such an emotion of gladness. They say, what are you happy about? They don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't know it. A fool. Now, you know what a fool is. A fool is defined in the Bible. The word fool is defined as a person who does not believe in God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. A fool is an atheist. A fool is a person that does not believe that God exists. That's the definition of fool in the Bible. So a person who does not acknowledge God will not understand the great, deep, mysterious works of God. They will get it. It'll go over their head, and they won't grasp what this work is. Well, you say, what are, what are the great, deep, mysterious works of God? Let me read to you from the New Testament, Romans 11. Listen carefully. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past Finding out who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed to him again for of him and through him and to him 
are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You know where that is in your Bible? That's at the end of 11 chapters discussing the plan of salvation of God saving humanity, both Jew and Gentile. 11 chapters talking about the work of the gospel in saving man from their sin concludes by saying, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how searchable are His judgments, His ways past finding out. You say, what are the, deep, the great, deep, mysterious works of God? It's the gospel. The gospel. It's the plan of salvation that goes right over the head of a lot of people in our world. For who, those who don't believe in God... They don't get it. They don't understand it. But we understand it, don't we? And when we, when we meditate on the amazing plan of salvation, when we sit back as we will tonight and sing about our surveying of the wondrous cross of Christ, and we think deeply about this amazing salvation that God has wrought, Something that is great in its magnitude, deep in its wisdom, and mysterious to the atheists and those who just don't get it because they don't know God. It's the plan of salvation. You see, in verse number 8, God is described as a victorious God. For, but thou, O Lord, art most high forevermore. But that is surrounded by verse 7 and 9. Verse 7 and 9 Speak of a defeated people. A defeated people. Verse 7 says, the wicked spring as the grass. I mean, the wicked flourish. The lifestyles of the rich and the famous. We spoke on it in prayer meeting this past Wednesday night. The lifestyles of the rich and the famous. And, and, and the money, the prestige. Did you read the story on Fox News about that guy in Dallas, Texas with his $3.6 million custom-made Italian sports car? That his 17-year-old teenager ran into a tree and <laughs> crashed it right into a tree. Lost control of it. Oh, the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. How they live and how they prosper and what they've got. But notice what the psalmist says in verse 7. It is that they shall be destroyed forever. And verse number 9. For lo, thine enemies, Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall Perish, all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. You see, God is victorious, but God's enemies are defeated. A defeated people, a people who don't believe in God, a people who don't acknowledge God, will face the judgment of eternal hell because of the rejection of the goodness of God that God has reached out to them with. You see, this psalm is about a victorious God. He's going to live forever. And a defeated people who reject Him and die forever in the destructive forces of hell. But it also deals with the delivered people. Verse number 10 says, But my horn, thou shalt exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Verse number 12 says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat 
and flourishing. This is a beautiful picture of the eternality of those who get saved. So you see, this psalm is about a victorious God, a defeated people, and a delivered people by the great, deep, mysterious works of God, which He brings out in our salvation. You see, the calls of our praise is the work of God in saving our souls from eternal hell. That we might live with God forever. Amazing. You meditate on this psalm and you will find relationship, protection, and productivity in the life of those who get saved. A relationship with God where I'm planted in His house. You'll find protection as He protects us from evil. And you'll find productivity as we flourish throughout our entire lives. We flourish. Like a, like a, a cedar tree and like a palm tree. Trees that were known for their strength to withstand storms. The palm tree, it's said, sends a taproot as far down as the palm tree grows up. And that's why the palm tree can withstand the storms of the Caribbean. Because it's rooted so deeply that the storm above ground is not able to capsize it all times. And, and it withstands because it is, it's got strength. Why does it have strength? Because it's rooted in the works of God in our lives. The storms of life come, but why do the storms of life not destroy me? How can I be grateful in the storms of life? The psalm answers that question. How was that old man who's the friend of was the friend of old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. able to turn from being a gloomy, despondent ungrateful, complaining person that saw negative in everything because of the hurt of his heart. How was he to turn from that and learn how to be grateful and to learn how to thank God for the good things that God has given? He became a a palm tree, a cedar tree, massive and strong, rooted deeply to allow his strength above the ground. We find that we can flourish regardless of how bad it gets. That's why our history books, Martyr's Mirror and Fox's Book of the Martyrs, tell us of the Christians who were burnt to the stake, burnt at the stake. All they had to do was say, I recant Christ, and they would not light the flame. All they had to say is, is Hail Caesar, and they would not light the flame. They would say, how could I ever denounce the one who changed my life? How could I denounce the one who gave me salvation? And they would light the flame. And the historians tell us that as the flames consumed the body of that believer, the believer was singing songs to God of Zion. How can you sing as the flames melt the flesh off your body? How can you sing? When you're lonely after your wife died. How can you sing when all the news is bad? You know, we've all got lots we could complain about. 
Is there anyone here that their life is so good there's nothing you couldn't complain about if you wanted to complain? Everyone can complain. It takes a godly person to be grateful in spite of all the bad things that happen in our lives. It's a good thing to learn how to do that. It's a good thing. It's good for us to be grateful people. It's good for us to teach our kids. You know the best way to teach your kids how to be grateful? Model it. Every day. Live it. So that they can emulate you. Always have something good to say about everything. Always thank God for the good things every day. And let them learn by experience that you can be grateful even in a messed up world. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It's a good thing to sing praises to His name. It's just good. You'll digest your food better this Thanksgiving. You'll get along with people better. You'll have a better work environment. Your family will be a happier place if we all learn how to be thankful.